Turn, if you would, this morning to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in your house, and Lord, we are thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful, Lord, that we can tell you whatever our burden is, whatever our trial is. And God, I am thankful, and I assume others are as well, that we have this assurance that you will take care of us and that, God, you're going to meet our needs, whatever they are. And God, I pray that as I've tried to tie the songs into the message this morning, I pray that you'd help us to see the beauty of your word and the wonder of your word and the encouragement from your word. And God, that we would leave here today a helped people. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want you to begin, or I want to begin, by having you imagine something that I hope never becomes a reality in your life. But I want us to begin this morning by imagining that we are in desperate need of $50,000. I don't know about you, but for me that's a lot of money. And if I found myself in need of $50,000, I could not just pull that out of savings. I could not just pull that out from one of our mattresses. Uh, it, it would be a significant amount of money that we had to come up with. So imagine if you're like me and $50,000 is a significant amount of money. Imagine that you cannot go to the bank to try to secure that amount of money. You cannot set up some kind of a website or some kind of a funding campaign the only way that you will be able to get that money is by going to your family or friends and receiving a one-time lump sum of $50,000. Now, I don't know about you, but if that were me in that kind of a situation or that kind of a predicament, to know that I could only get it from one person, either a family or a friend, I could not pull it in from many different resources, if I could only go to one person to get that kind of money, you know what I would say immediately? I would say this, I am in a world of hurt. Because I don't know very many people who have $50,000. And if I do know people who have $50,000, I don't know enough people who would want to give me $50,000. See, for the most part, if I went to my family and I went to my friends and I said, listen, I'm in a bind. I'm in a bad situation and I have to have $50,000 by this afternoon. You know what the vast majority of my family and friends would say to me? They would say something like this. I would love to help you, but I can't. It is simply impossible for me to do such a thing, and I understand that because, again, if you were to come to me and say, Kyle, I am in a bind, I am in a terrible way, and I have got to have $50,000 by this afternoon, as much as I love you, you know what I'd have to say to you? You have come to the wrong source because I don't have that kind of resource available to me. So I understand, I'm not offended, that someone would say to me, I'd love to help, but I simply cannot because I know what that would feel like. But at the same time, here's what I also know. Of the few people who might have that kind of cash, they don't want to give it to me. They don't have that level of love and affection for me. And again, that does not offend me because I would be in the same predicament. If I did have the money, most people coming to me for it, I would not love them enough to give it to them. Someone says, well, that's terrible. I'm just being honest with you. 
If I had $50,000, I wouldn't want to just flitter it away on someone that I didn't have great affection for. And so what would be amazing and yet what would be rare would be this. Someone who had the resources and someone who at the same time had the heart to give me what they had. It would be an amazing thing and it would be a rare thing for someone to have that kind of resource available to them and for them to have the heart for me and my need to give me what I needed in the midst of that situation. Now, I know that's kind of a silly illustration to begin with, but I want us to hold on to that, and we'll come back to it in a few moments. And as we do, I want us to begin looking in verse 153 this morning. In verse 153, here's what we're going to consider and see immediately, that the writer continues to be in the midst of a difficult time. The writer continues to deal with difficult circumstances, difficult situations. See, we see there in verse number 153 that he begins by saying, Consider mine affliction. Now, if you've been with us throughout the study and if you've paid attention to the sermons throughout the study, then here's what you know, that this is not an unusual or an uncommon theme. Whenever we come to verse 153 and we read the words, consider mine affliction, we know that this is something that has been ongoing in the life of the writer. This is something that has not just happened or popped up in one day, and so now he's asking the Lord to consider his affliction. No, this is something that has been taking place for quite some time. So he says in verse 153, consider mine affliction. In verse 154, he said this, plead my cause and deliver me, quicken me according to thy word. So we understand that he is asking to be delivered in verse number uh, 154. And you don't, as I've said before, want to be delivered from something that is pleasurable. And so it had to have been something that was unpleasurable that he was dealing with to ask the Lord to deliver him from. So we see in verse 153, consider mine affliction. And he said there in verse 153 also, and deliver me. He said in 154, plead my cause and deliver me. And then in verse 157, he said this, many are my persecutors and mine enemies. Many are my persecutors and mine enemies. And so the passage is fairly clear, and there is more that we'll look at in a couple of moments. But the passage is fairly clear that the writer is dealing with an ongoing situation of those who would persecute him and those who would be against him, those who would be uh, in opposition to him, those who would be his enemies. And he says, Lord, this is an affliction, and God, I am asking you to deliver me from this. Now this morning as we think about the statements we've dealt with, as we've given attention to these things, I want us to consider this thought. You know this to be true, but you may not be thinking about it right now. So consider this thought. The longer an individual carries a burden, the greater the toll it takes on that person. Meaning, if, if an individual has a flare-up of a difficulty, if a person has a, as kind of an immediate, quick situation where something comes up and then it quickly goes away, it may have taken some kind of a toll on us. It may have disturbed us or upset us. But if it comes and it goes relatively quickly, 
then the toll that it takes on us is relatively minimal, is it not? So if you think about this, the longer a person or an individual carries a burden, the greater the toll it will take in that individual's life. And that is true in many different areas, is it not? You following this? If this man, if the writer is being afflicted, if his enemies continue to persecute him and, and to stand in opposition to him, if this is something that has been going on for quite some time, it is going to take a toll on him in many different ways, and the same would be true of us. Well, what do you mean? I, I mean this. Whenever we as individuals carry a burden for a long or an extended amount of time, we know this to be true, that it takes a toll on our health. Are you aware of that? Some of us seem this morning a bit unaware of that. If you ever carry a burden for a long time, here's what you will discover. It begins to take a toll on your health. I don't know exactly why that is. I just know it to be true that the longer we deal with something, the longer that we struggle with something, the more that we have to, to confront certain issues, it begins to, to wear at our health because we find that we don't sleep as well as we once did. We don't eat as well as we once did. We're dealing with the stress of it. And so the longer we carry this burden the more it begins to affect and have impact on our health. The longer we carry a burden, the greater the toll it takes on our emotions. Have you ever experienced this? You know, something happens quickly, you know, it, it was here today and gone tomorrow. It may have disturbed us for that moment. It may have upset us for that moment. But because it came and went so quickly, we also, in our emotions, got past it quickly. But how many of us have ever dealt with a long-term issue and we have felt like and we have began to realize that not only has this affected my health, this has affected my overall emotion and my feelings toward life. The joy I once had is gone. The gladness I once knew on a daily basis, it, it seems as though it's gone. It, it seems as though I am, I am constantly fighting off discouragement and I am constantly dealing with the idea of, of frustration and I am constantly having to deal with now these anger issues that I used to not have. I mean, let's just face it, the longer we carry a burden, the more impact it has on our emotions it is just the way we as human beings work and so we're dealing with this we're dealing with this we're dealing with this and it's it's an ongoing issue and it affects our health and it affects our emotions and many times we allow it to affect our spiritual lives we do it's so easy to serve God when it's easy. It's so easy to be faithful to God when there are no trials. It is so easy to, to be the one who is encouraging others to follow the Lord when we're not really being challenged in our following of God. 
We don't mind the occasional flare-up. We don't mind the occasional quick trial that we have to go through. But so many times when it is an ongoing problem, when it is an ongoing situation, let's just be honest this morning and admit, it takes a toll on our spiritual lives at times. I don't know if you've ever found this to be true of yourself. I can only speak for myself. But I know that there have been times that even as a pastor, because of things that seem to just keep going on and things are lingering and we don't seem to get certain things revolved, there have just been times I've said things like this in my mind. God, I don't even want to pray today. I'm fed up with it. I'm tired of praying. Lord, I, I'm just I'm sick of dealing with this. I have prayed and I have prayed and I have prayed. And it doesn't seem like you're moving. It doesn't seem like anything's changing. It doesn't seem like anything is happening. I don't know about you, but for a preacher to admit that there are times he doesn't want to pray because of frustration and discouragement and irritation and other thoughts and feelings, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a good thing for a preacher to admit. But if I'm honest, I have to admit it. There are times as a preacher, you know, the spiritual leader of a body of believers, there are times that as a preacher, I don't want to read my Bible because I'm so frustrated. The discouragement is set in, the emotions are running through my mind and in my heart, and I'm wrestling with all these different, these different feelings, and it's like the Word of God is, is there, and I know that I need to spend time with the Word of God, and yet I don't want to spend time with the Word of God. There are times I don't want to go to church. Do what? You heard me correct. There are times that as a pastor I don't even want to go to church. Because for me sometimes church is the very reminder of where my frustration lies. I'm doing fine at the house. I'm doing fine at the lake. I'm doing fine on vacation. I'm doing good here, but, but to go back to the church, that is where I am reminded of the ongoing issues. And so there are times in my own spiritual life I, I am wrestling with everything, and I, and I just say to myself, if I'm being honest, I don't even want to be in the house of God today. That's not exactly what a preacher ought to be admitting. But if you're honest, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't want to get up. I don't want to get dressed. I don't want to go down to the church. I don't want to hold the hymnal. I don't want to sing. I don't want to listen to the preacher preach. I don't want to have to fake my smile with everyone. When somebody says to me, how are you doing? I don't want to stand there and say to them, oh, I'm doing fine. When I know in my heart of hearts, I'm not doing fine. Be honest. You know what it feels like sometimes to not even want to be in the house of God because you are wrestling with issues that have been going on for some time and it's taken a toll on you even spiritually. I know Christians ought not say that publicly, but if we're going to be honest, we might as well just admit and talk about what others have felt and experienced in their own lives. The longer we carry a burden, the greater the toll it takes on us personally. It takes a toll on our health. It takes a toll on our emotions. It takes a toll on our spiritual life. And there are other areas in which we are affected, but I think we can all relate to these issues that I've talked about. But this morning, here's what I want us to know, that what you and I have experienced in times past, it is nothing new. 
It isn't. You don't understand my circumstance. Oh, I may not, but I can promise you it's not new. Well, you don't know what I've been dealing with. You don't know what's been going on in my life. I may not, but I know this, it's not new. See, I could stand before you this morning and say something like this. You don't understand the pressure of being a pastor. You don't understand what what I deal with sometimes. You don't understand. And you know what? It is true that many of you have no idea what I deal with sometimes. But if I'm honest, you know what I have to remember? I'm not dealing with anything new. Preachers long before me have dealt with the same issues that I have dealt with, and preachers long after me will deal with the same issues I have dealt with. You and I are not dealing with anything new, so therefore the struggles we have are not new. And the toll that it takes on us, that is not new. Well, how do we know? Well, notice in verse 154 what the writer says. He said, plead my cause and deliver me, quicken me according to thy word. Quicken me according to thy word. He says in verse 156, greater thy tender mercies, O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgments. In 159 he said this, consider how I love thy precepts, quicken me. O Lord, according to thy loving kindnesses. Do you notice in this three in this short section of, of verses, he says on three different occasions with the continuation of affliction from his persecutors and his enemies of which he asked the Lord to deliver him from, on three different occasions he says this to the Lord Quicken me. Why is that important? Why should that somehow arrest our attention and and make us think about that statement? Why is that important? It is important for this reason. The word quicken means to sustain. To sustain. God, I am asking you to sustain me. It also means this, to revive. It's the idea of giving life back to something. You understanding this? God, the enemy, continues to persecute me. And God, the enemy, continues to afflict me. God, this is an ongoing issue that that is not quickly being resolved. And God, it is taking a toll on me. It is taking a toll on me mentally. It is taking a toll on me physically. God, it is taking a toll on me spiritually. God, it is taking a toll on me to the point I don't know how much longer I can handle this. So God, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to quicken me. God, I'm asking you to sustain me. God, in the midst of my weakness, when I can't take it any longer. God, in the midst of my weakness, when I don't want to get up in the mornings. God, in the midst of my weakness, whenever I don't want to go throughout my day. God, in the midst of my weakness, when I wish everything would just go away. God, in the midst of those moments where I'm discouraged and frustrated and I'm ready to just throw in the towel. God, I am asking you to sustain me. And I'm asking you to revive me, to give back to me the life 
I once knew. Can I ask you something this morning? Have you ever felt like life has just been pulled out from underneath you? (laughs) At least nod your head or look awake this morning, okay? I don't require much this morning. I haven't given you much. But I I want you to think about this question. Have you ever felt like that with the ongoing situation, whatever it is, you feel as though life has just been pulled out from underneath you? You don't want to wake up in the mornings. You don't want to get up if you did wake up. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to get dressed. You don't want to go to work. You don't want to see the same people. You don't want to deal with the same problems. You don't want to deal with the same issues. And you go through life, but you go through life without much of a life. Have you ever been there? That's where the writer was at. He's saying, God, this ongoing situation with my enemies and my persecutors, it has brought me to a point where where I don't even know if I can continue going on, and I don't feel like life is even really worth living right now. God, I am asking you to quicken me, to sustain me, and to revive me. Now, I'm sure you caught this, but I want us to think about it in case maybe you didn't catch it. But in order for the writer to make this request to the Lord it indicates something very important. It indicates, first of all, that he realizes he has a need right now that he is incapable of meeting. God, I need to be quickened. God, I need to be sustained. And God, I need to be revived. God, I need you to give my life back to me, so to speak. And the reason he says it to the Lord is because he knows he cannot do that for himself. I think if we're honest, I think every one of us would have to say something like this. There have been times in our lives it has been made obvious I could not do what was needed in my life. I was discouraged. I was frustrated. I was overwhelmed. I I was dealing with all of these emotions and these thoughts, and and, and I didn't want to continue on. I didn't want to keep going through the motions. I just wanted to go hide in my little in my little hole somewhere and just get away from this world and it was in those moments we realized i can't do what i need in my life have you ever been there i'm going to say more about this in a moment but i just want to go ahead and tell you this right now if you have never been there in your life you will be there one day It will happen to you. I don't know what the circumstance will be. I don't know what the situation will be. I don't know what the ongoing problem will be. But I promise you this. You will find yourself at a point in life where you have to realize and you have to admit, I cannot do for me what I need. It would be about as effective as me trying to write myself a $50,000 check and it would be good. It's just not going to happen. 
I simply cannot pull myself out of this hole. I simply cannot pull myself out of this situation. I simply cannot fix my emotions and my health and my spiritual issues right now. There will come a time in our lives where we have to admit, God, I can't do this on my own. But see, whenever he asks the Lord to quicken him, it's not just that he admits he cannot fix this problem himself. It is also an indication of admission of this truth that he knows no one around him can fix the situation for his life. So it doesn't matter who loves me. It doesn't matter who cares about me. It doesn't matter who wants what is best for me. As this continuation of problems with my enemies and my persecutors, as this continues to take place in my life and affect me to the point where I realize I need to be sustained and I need to be revived and I need my life given back to me, God, I recognize that those who love me cannot do this for me. Do you understand this morning? That when you're going through the difficult days and the difficult times and it's an ongoing problem and it's an ongoing situation, do you realize this morning that it doesn't matter how many people love you and how many people care about you, they cannot do for you what only God can do? No matter how much Susie loves me, she cannot quicken me. No matter how much my parents care about me, let's listen please, they cannot revive me. No matter how much you as a church family want to support me as your pastor, there are just certain things that you cannot do for me. It is going to happen in every person's life where you realize I cannot fix this myself and though these people would love to help out, they would do it if they could. They simply cannot do it for me. As the writer says on three different occasions, quicken me, quicken me, quicken me. You know what he realizes? God, only you can sustain me and only you can revive me. God, only you in this extended season of trial with my persecutors and with my enemies, God, only you will be able to do in my life what is needed right now. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. God, I have got to bring this to you. God, I have to do this, and we'll see this more in a moment, because you are faithful. And God, only you can take care of the need that I have in my life. We have got to, at times in our lives, come to this realization, come to this understanding, and come to this conviction that I cannot fix my problem, that those who love me cannot fix my problems. Only God can do for me what I need at this time in my life. We have to come to that position in our hearts and minds because if we don't, we will continue to go to sources that do not have the resources to give us what we need. So here's the writer and he says, Lord, quicken me. God, quicken me. God, as I've read through your word and and I know your testimonies and I know your laws and I know your judgments, God, according to your word, I'm asking you to sustain me. 
And I'm asking you to revive me, Lord, and to give me back the life that I once had. As you read through this portion of Scripture, I think this is interesting, if nothing else. It is interesting to consider this thought. The writer not only believed that God could quicken him, he believed God would quicken him. The writer did not entertain in his mind that he might go to the Lord and say, God, quicken me. And the Lord say something like this, man, I would love to, but I can't. He doesn't seem to entertain in his heart and mind that he might go to the Lord and say, Lord, I I need help in this situation. And the Lord say, man, you know I love you and you know that I care about you, but you're in a position right now. You're simply asking too much and, and I can't do this for you. No, 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 no. That is not what the writer entertained in his heart and mind at all. You know what the writer believed? He believed that not only could God quicken him, he believed God would quicken him. We can struggle with that sometimes, can't we? Have you ever felt like we have a problem too big for God? Oh no, Brother Kyle, I've never felt that way. You're a liar. Listen, please. There have been times in my life I've basically come to this conclusion, I guess God... You can't fix it, or you don't want to fix it, or you're not interested in fixing it. You don't want to change it. Have you ever been there? (laughs) Just these times in life where I'm thinking, wow, I, I thought you would. The writer not only believed God could, he believed that God would. Well, how do we know? Well, just for one instance, notice in verse 156. He said, Lord, great are thy tender mercies. Great are thy tender mercies. What are tender mercies? It is a reference to the compassion and kindness of God. So what does it mean for something to be great? It means this, for it to be numerous or to be many in number. To be numerous or many in number. You know what the writer declared to the Lord? He said, Lord, there are so many ways in which you manifest your tender mercies, your kindness, and your compassion. God, there are so many ways in which you make your goodness and your kindness and your compassion known. God, there are so many ways in which you manifest this in the lives of your people. I have read this in your word. It is according to your word that I know this. But the writer could also say this. It is according to personal testimony that I know of your tender mercies. And God, based upon your tender mercies, based upon your kindness and your compassion, God, I am asking you to quicken me. Sustain me and revive me. Give me back the life that I once knew before all this mess began in my life. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that God, not only God can, but God will? I'm thankful that, that I know this morning that it's not just that God can take care of me. God will take care of me. 
He didn't say that you'll never have ongoing issues. He never said that, that there would not be long-term problems I'm dealing with. He never said that that would be the case. But if I look in his word, then here is what I can read. That I serve a tender, compassionate, merciful, kind, and loving God. And he will quicken me as I need to be quickened if I will trust that he will do what he has said he will do. But see, if I'm not convinced that God will do what God has said He will do, then I will not go to the Lord and ask Him to quicken me, and I will continue to look to myself or to other people to do what we are incapable of doing. Great are Thy tender mercies, O Lord. And I am asking you, according to your judgments, according to your word, according to your testimonies, according to your loving kindness, God, I am asking you, sustain me right now and revive me. God, I don't want to go through life kicking rocks. God, I don't want to go through life being discouraged and frustrated all the time. God, I don't want to lose that step and that 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 joy that I once knew. God, I don't want to lose it. So God, I am asking you to do what only you can do. Quicken me. Sustain me. Revive me. I've said this many times before, and I'm going to say it again this morning because I think it's necessary. You may be sitting here right now, and you may say something like this. Brother Kyle, I am not in the midst of an ongoing situation. Brother Kyle, I'm not in the midst of, of something that seems to have no end in sight. Right now, life is fairly well. You know, I mean, we, we have hiccups occasionally, but, you know, overall, life is going fairly well and, and no big issues. That is wonderful. But I can promise you this. There are people in this church right now fighting ongoing battles that you and I don't begin to know about. They're wrestling with this, they're wrestling with this, they're wrestling with this, and in their lives everything is tied together and everything is joined together, and it seems like we've been dealing with this for some time now, and we've been dealing with this for some time now, and in addition to those things, it seems like we've now added this to the equation, and I'm now dealing with this, and it has been an ongoing issue, and it seems as though it has been robbing them, it has been taking a toll on them, both physically and emotionally and now spiritually. It's happening in our own church, whether you know about it or not. So if it's not happening to you right now, as I said a moment ago, understand this, because life is cyclical, it will happen to you at some point. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when it's going to happen. And when it happens, our approach to life needs to be this. God, I cannot do this on my own. I don't have the resources. God, my family and my friends, they can't do this for me. Though they would be willing if they could, they cannot be the one who quickens me. And so our attitude needs to be this. God, I'm asking you to do what only you can do, and that is to quicken me. Sustain me in the midst of this affliction. Sustain me in the midst of this persecution. God, sustain me in the midst of this trial. God, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. 
God, not only am I asking you to do it, I am trusting you to do it, because here is what I know. Great and many are your tender mercies. God, you are a kind and compassionate God. So God, I can know today that not only can you quicken me, you will quicken me when I come to you. But we have to be willing to go to him. And I don't know why it is for us as individuals, but for so many of us, it seems like going to him is our last resort. We'll fix it. We'll get our family and friends around us and we'll fix it together. And it's our last resort to go to him. That should not be our last resort. It should be our first resort. God, you can and God, you will because your word says it. And I know from personal experience, you've already done it in the past. I'm asking you to do it again. I want to ask you this morning, do you need to be quickened? Do you need to be sustained right now? Do you need to be revived right now? If so, can I just tell you, all you need to do is tell it to Jesus. Let the Lord know, God, I need you right now. And you know what you'll find? You will find that God is faithful. And he will take care of you. I promise you. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. God, I don't know what the need of each person in this room would be today. I don't know what each person is dealing with. They could have things going on that I would not begin to know about. God, would you help us today to simply bring our cares and our burdens and our trials to you? And God, the, the burdens that we've been carrying now, it seems like forever sometimes, would you help us to know that we don't have to carry that burden alone, that we can be sustained and we can be revived by you and our life can be restored. But God, it'll only be when you do the work because it has been made so evident that we cannot do it on our own. So would you bless the invitation if there are those who need to respond this morning and just spend some time in prayer, would you give us the willingness and the humility of heart to do so? I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.